from Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, I'll be reading from the NKJV. But it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews, Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built a wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayers to our God and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us 10 times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. 
Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be a guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. This is the word of God. Thank you, Brother Abraham, for reading that <clears throat> the chapter. For those who are worshiping with us for the very first time, <clears throat> we are going through a series uh, uh, on the topic which was in the KO episode. The theme is restoring God's people and building God's work. I am one of the elders. It's my privilege to stand before you. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. And I'm going to share God as what God has laid on my heart in encouraging all of us this morning. <clears throat> and let us look to the Lord in prayer, committing this time. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful privilege of being in your presence this morning. We are so privileged. There are so many people who are not so privileged, Lord, and uh, looking for salvation, looking for escape from other worldly pressures. But we are here this morning seeking your grace and mercy in our lives. Thank you for your presence this morning in our midst. You are going to speak to us. You are going to encourage us. You are going to restore us this morning. Before we walk out from this premises, we'll be richly blessed because you are going to speak to us this morning. Not my words, but your words, Lord. Help us to understand your message this morning clearly. In Jesus' precious name we pray. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, so we've been going through this book of Nehemiah. It's very challenging, very interesting, you know, book. Uh, uh, this is the fourth part uh, uh, of the series, and uh, I think we are ending here. Uh, maybe later on we will continue the rest of the chapters. The theme is, as I said, restoring God's people and building God's work. Restoring God's people, building God's work. We felt this is very apt, very appropriate uh, topic because all of us, uh, the Christian community across the world, are going through severe pressure because of COVID situation for the very first time in the history of the world. The churches, the, house, uh, the, the gates of the churches were closed you know, permanently for a longer period, and people were longing to have fellowship. So I, over the period, you know, those who are weak in their faith, they fell apart, you know, they went through a lot of problems. So here we are talking about restoring God's people, 
building God's work. Uh, so uh, the topic for this particular uh, message is uh, opposition and obstacles in building God's kingdom. The earlier three parts we talked about, you know, how Nehemiah, you know, burden in, in his heart to come back to build wall around Jerusalem. And the very first uh, message was about prayer and uh, rise to the occasion, the second part. And last week we studied about a lot of list of people who were involved in building the wall. <clears throat> Throughout uh, the biblical history and narrative, you know, God has pursued his people with a relentless passion and has been doing whatever he could do to win them back. Often sin came between man and God and ruin the chance of intimacy with the Father. But God, time and again, revealed his plan of redemption and provided opportunities to restore the broken relationship. Uh, the Nehemiah story is one such example, you know, uh, the restoration process of God in his own providence uh, brought about uh, for us to understand. <clears throat> Uh, in, the, in the New Testament, before you know, I go into this uh, passage, the, in the New Testament, the temple and temple worship became very significant in their lives, you know, in the lives of Israelites. Uh, God led his people from the bondage of uh, slavery, we all know, and restored them back in, in a promised land. Uh, last week, Brother Tother, you know, touched upon the brief historical background about, you know, how uh, these people came back uh, to promised land and Judah. And uh, they started, you know, uh, living there. And uh, the restoration process started with, you know, the Jerubbabel and uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. They, they were the leaders who came back and established, uh, you know, the temple, temple worship uh, in the city of Jerusalem. <clears throat> uh, uh, before going further, I would like to have some, and I, I love to, you know, talk about history, uh, uh, some brief, you know, snippets, you know, small uh, highlights of the Jewish history, the temple history particularly. The first temple, as we all know, was built in 19, 957 BC by Solomon. The temple period was, you know, 374 years, very long period. Uh, people were worshipping there at the temple. And the Babylonians, you know, came and destroyed the temple in the year 586 BC. And again, a second temple was built by Zerubbabel uh, during uh, 538 and 515 BC. Uh, it's for about 23 years. And again, uh, the temple was desecrated during Maccabean revolt between the year 166 and 160. Then, you know, the Romans came into Jerusalem and they captured, uh, that was the year 63 BC. Again, the temple was refurbished 63 AD after Christ under the British, uh, the, under the Roman rule. And, and another thing happened, the, the Jewish you know, revolted against the Romans. They were occupying the territory. And uh, in 66, they started their revolt. And the, again, the temple was destructed, I mean, destro destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. You know, after that, many people ruled that region. Uh, uh, the Byzantine, Arab rulers, Mamluk rulers, Ottoman rulers, British rulers, so many rulers rule in that place. Why I'm saying this all this because the restoration happening because God established something and again demolished. He established something again, got demolished. 
what is this? You know, uh, how do we understand this whole concept of building restoration, building restoration? How does it make meaning to us? I, I would like to you know, draw your attention to 1 Kings uh, chapter 9 and 3. This is where the Solomon built his first temple. At the dedication of the temple, the Lord appeared to him and told him, I have heard your prayer, verse 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 3. I have heard your prayer and plea that you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. My eyes and my heart will always be there. And when God carries out his plan through his people, he gives promises and assurance of his everlasting presence, as we saw just now. And But at the same time, he warns us when we take things in our hands rather than giving him glory. In the same chapter, 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 7, it says, but if you, this is a warning he's giving to his people, but if you or your sons turns away from me and do not observe the commands and degrees I have given you, and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. Israelites will become ridicules among all the people, verse 7. <clears throat> now we understand, you know, God builds and he demolishes, he allows certain things happen in our life. That's what we are going to take away some, some clear-cut message from this passage. You know, what is the purpose of restoring? What is the purpose of rebuilding? And how we can keep this building intact, you know, uh, focus our attention to chapter 3, Nehemiah, which was read just now. The rebuilding and the restoration of Jerusalem wall had started around 444 uh, BC. So the opposition also had started, you know, the exiles came back from Babylonian exile and started living there. And there were already people in Samaria and other surrounding regions. They were not happy because these people are like refugees coming back into their land and started building wall around them. Already they built a church, the temple. They are not happy about it. Why do they do that? You know, these are the people, they're exiled, they're slaves. They are not supposed to live here, but they came, they built their temple. Now they are building their wall. So they were not happy. The last week, the message came loud and clear. God used men and women, you know, various men and women, ordinary men and women to restore the walls of Jerusalem. We are going to go in detail about, you know, the process of rebuilding and the opposition which occurred uh, while they were doing that. We learned there were, there were gates, uh, there were walls, uh, there were, you know, towers which needs to be repaired in, uh, in, in the Jerusalem uh, uh, wall. And also, brother, uh, brought it out very clearly, there are gates, towers, walls of our church which record to be replaced, repaired, or restored. The restoration uh, process uh, is not easy, you know. The results of this restoration process will eventually will have a ripple effect, ripple effect and restore our lives. When they built their restoration, when they built their temple, the temple worship had started, the people started living in harmony, it made impact in the lives of the people who were there. Likewise, when we rebuild our church, when we take care of all those, you know, repairs and restoration, 
the restoration of our church will have a ripple effect on all of us, each and every one of us, and our hearts will be strengthened, our lives will be strengthened. <clears throat> As a church, uh, we felt this need to talk about this restoration process and uh, uh, so that we will know God is going to do great and mighty things in the days to come. <clears throat> uh, as I said, rebuilding is not easy. You know, if you ask a civil engineer, Brother Babu, rebuilding is not easy. Uh, building a new building is easy because you, all you have to do is just follow the uh, blueprint and uh, continue your work. But rebuilding, you know, I was uh, in Taj Mahal taking my relatives. You know, the Archaeological Survey of India has uh, is doing some restoration work because there are some patches fallen down from Taj Mahal and the, the, the towers surrounding that. You know, they're trying to match the same color, brick color or red color stones. They're not able to do it. We can easily make out, you know, the restored slabs are not matching with that original. You know, restoration is not going to be easy. As a church, as we talk about restoration, as we talk about rebuilding, it's not going to be easy, you know. That we have to understand there will be obstacles there will be roadblocks we may have to encounter chapter four talks about opposition faced by nehemiah and his people while they were involved in the rebuilding of the jerusalem wall i'm going to split it into very briefly into under four subtopics number one opposition from outside when we start building our church when we start building our fellowship there are bound, you know, opposition bound to happen. And this is the opposition from outside. Uh, we will uh, keep your Bibles open. I'm going to read a few verses here and there um, in the same chapter. Uh, we see the situation is so tense, as I said. They are here, the exiled people are back, they're home. And because of that, people are not pleasant, they're happy about it. So the situation was very tense. The surrounding areas were filled with enemies. Uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 1 says, When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. The Sanballat is uh, the political opponent of Nehemiah. He's a governor of Samaria. He's not happy because he's an equivalent guy who's staying Samaria, you know, the northern side of um, Judah. He's not happy. Uh, so uh, look at the questions they were asking. They ridiculed the Jews when they were building it. They ridiculed and asked, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they sac offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? These are the questions they were asking. You know, it's so demoralizing for the people who are involved in the construction work. And the mockers, you know, they mocked them by saying, even a fox climbed up on, he would break down the wall of stones. This comment would have been very, very demoralizing for Nehemiah and his team. The enemies thought uh, the Nehemiah people will succumb to their ridiculing, they will run away from that place, but they didn't give up. You know, they were, you know, progressing uh, the building work very fast. Verse 8 says, when they heard that the repairs have gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. You know, they thought, these people, guys, people, Jews, they're not going to do anything because already, you know, they are in exile. They are not well nurtured uh, physically. You know, they are malnourished. And how, how long they can go? But when they saw the gaps are getting filled and the building is coming up, the wall is coming up, they're very, very angry. They plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up 
trouble against it. So that situation is very charged, you know, very tensed. It's not so conducive to carry out rebuilding uh, throughout the history of the church. You know, whenever a, a church is planted, people are not happy. The persecution, the opposition cropped up. But the history says, whenever there was an persecution, whenever there was an opposition, the church flourished. Right from the first century, the early church flourished under persecution. Early church flourished under opposition. <clears throat> and the people living in surrounding areas, Jerusalem and Judah, were not happy about what Nehemiah and his people, his people were doing. In the Bible, you know, we come across so many instances, you know, where people of God were mocked. It happened in the lives of Noah. It happened in the lives of Moses, Joseph, David, Daniel, disciples of Christ, Apostle Paul, and many others. You know, even in our own time, when you go and talk about Christ, you know, people are there to mock at you, ridicule at you, laugh at you. What are you talking about? The churches across the world need restoration. You know, that is the, you know, the burden uh, or the church leaders have in their hearts. There are so many external forces working against the ministry of the word. The COVID pandemic is one such external force which affected the ministry in many ways. The church needs restoration and rebuilding. Here we don't see the enemy like Nehemiah did. This is an invisible enemy is there, but he destroy the fellowship and people coming together. Uh, this invisible enemy is more dangerous than the visible enemy. You know, we have seen, as I said, never in the history of, uh, history of uh, the world, the history of the church, uh, the church was under lockdown for such a long uh, period. <clears throat> uh, now look at the after effects of COVID. People are fearful and they may not be willing to come out of their homes on Sunday morning as the threat of uh, virus is still looming large, uh, uh, you know, with added rumors of a new variant, you know, they're saying it's going to be more deadlier, you know, that uh, prevents people from coming out of their homes. Uh, this is affecting the church, this is affecting the fellowship. The Pew's research, uh, you know, the organization, uh, US-based uh, research organization, who, who da, da, does extensive research on the church growth, uh, and also other areas. Uh, the report says that in-person church attendance is roughly 30 to 50% lower than it was before the pandemic. 30 to 50% attendance is going to be affected in the churches when they throw it open in full-fledged manner. <clears throat> the drop in the church attendance in Delhi Bible Fellowship, both physical and virtual, also fell, you know, uh, there was a drop in all the congregations of Delhi Bible Fellowship as well. And there are external forces, you know, like antisocial elements who allege forced, con forced conversions by the Christians. And also there were recently increased violence against Christians. And this restoration process will attract more opposition from others, but God's work cannot be stopped. You know, this all the opposition coming from outside. Point number two, opposition from within. Uh, turn to your uh, Bible, uh, the portion, verse 10. Nehemiah had to face opposition from his own people uh, during rebuilding process. 
The work was so overwhelming and difficult, some of the people were getting agitated, you know, they were getting uh, weary, they were getting uh, troubled. Verse 10, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And also they were afraid of their enemies saying, the enemies would kill them and put an end to work. Verse 11, the Jews who lived near them said, wherever you turn, they will attack us. People were physically tired, mentally worn out, and they are fearful because the enemy, the threat, what they are facing is real. When your own people are demoralized, you know, fearful, the restoration process gets affected, you know, definitely suffer. And as I said, again, the COVID year was very challenging. No need to go through the kind of miseries we all went through. We have lost most of our dear ones. <clears throat> and uh, many people, you know, were dejected without having a fellowship and church worship services. Everyone was cut off from each other, except for the virtual fellowship. Virtual fellowship cannot compensate the real, the warmth of the fellowship uh, we all enjoy. And there was a pressure on the church leadership. Not, I'm not, not talking about the SDC alone. All the ch across the world, there was a, you know, huge pressure on the church leadership because the demands, the expectation of the people were very high. They don't know how to do justice to the needs around them because the expectations were too high. In the process, many of uh, the regular church attendees, you know, left behind. You know, they they looked for some other options. You know, they left the church altogether uh, because they felt some of them felt they were not, you know, personally ministered. How, what, what is the remedy for this? You know, in a congregation of 500 people, if each one of them expect the church leadership to go and you know, minister to them personally. It is humanly impossible, and also during the lockdown situation. So that, you know, stopped many people from attending the online services also. Uh, instead of contributing in the rebuilding of the fellowship, the people, the people who are the worshippers of a church, they themselves fell behind, you know. Uh, the situation is something, you know, similar to the Jewish, uh, Jews, uh, uh, you know, the rebellious attitude where, uh, you know, when... Uh, they were being led from through the wilderness. God was so faithful to them. You know, they have seen a lot of good things happening to them. You know, what a, you know, in, a, in a dramatic way, they were released from bondage of uh, slavery from Egypt and through the wilderness, they were provided, the food was there, and they were able to walk through the night because uh, there was, uh, you know, the cloud of uh, lightning and during the day, they were covered with cloud. And, you know, every, all, all uh, physical and spiritual and, uh, needs were met for them. But in spite of that, you know, they were still complaining on their way when they were going, murmuring all the time, you know. As a church, we are also going through difficult times. This is the time we all should come together and setting aside our personal comforts and aspirations and involve ourselves in the restoration process where every single member has a role to play, and it is going to cost us. You know, it is going to cost us. I am happy uh, we all are here. There are people who are sacrificially serving the Lord. 
You know, uh, this morning I was, you uh, know, last week a uh, couple of people came and told, uh, Uncle, we'll be able to come here early. You know, Arun and uh, Vinod, they said, we'll come and do any kind of uh, work you want us to do because we are doing it for the church. This morning when I walked, Vinod said, Baya me to, no baya either. You know, you know, people are there to serve the Lord without, you know, maybe it, it is going to cost us our time and our talent. It's, uh, it's going to cost us our energy, but we are going to do for the Lord. Then when the rebuilding will start happening <clears throat> in the church. Number three, strategies for rebuilding. In the midst of opposition, Nehemiah follows a strategy to keep the work going. As a master strategist, Nehemiah took some important decisions. He identified some vulnerable places along the wall, which were the lowest and had easy access to the enemies. He stationed some of the people at these exposed places. And an interesting step he has taken is, you know, he's involving posting families, you know, in that places at these points with sword, spears and bows. Families are getting involved in this restoration process. You know, I don't know what kind of a, a building work family can, probably a, a little boy can bring a brick or a fetching water from home. A lady, a ladies of the house will be able to mix it. I don't know, I'm just trying to visualize how families were involved in doing the restoration process of a particular wall. Probably there, the, the portion of the wall is before the, near their home. So the, the, the point here is the families were involved sacrificially in restoration. Secondly, he himself, Nehemiah himself, led from the front as he stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and rest of the people in verse seven, of verse 14, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is greater and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. He's standing there and encouraging people. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Be courageous. This would have been a great motivation, you know, for those who were at the forefront. He presented a model of a great leader whose presence with the people encouraged them. You know, I, I'm reminded of the Alexander the Great. Always he led the forces from the front. And Napoleon Bonaparte, you know, they, these are the great leaders, you know, the warriors. They didn't give the command, you go and do this, but they led the forces. They led from the front. Nehemiah is one such kind. There are vulnerable areas in the church, you know, when we're talking about rebuilding of our church. Like uh, there were there were some lowest areas of uh, the the walls uh, around Jerusalem. Similarly, there are vulnerable areas in our church with the ministries affected or not grown sufficiently. These lowest points need special care and attention. What are these lowest points in the ministry of our church? It is very interesting to note Nehemiah involved families. As I said, SDC is you know blessed with families. You know, the involvement of families. And <clears throat> the families hosting cell group, you know, that's it's a kind of an involvement. Families who are willing to carry out the ministry by encouragement, hospitality, reaching out to the needy people. And uh, the small groups like, you know, cell groups, uh, they will help in, you know, mending relation, relationship with one another. And we pray, really praise God for them. And another important lesson for the leaders of uh, SDC here is, like Nehemiah, we need to lead 
from the front and be an example. Lead from the front and be an example. When we do that, the people will automatically follow us. The leaders need to encourage those who are going through difficult times. And uh, as Nehemiah did, the strong and restored wall of Jerusalem will protect inhabitants, definitely. Likewise, a strong, restored fellowship, South Delhi fellowship, South Delhi uh, fellowship, uh, SDC of our church will protect our men, women, and children whenever they go through struggles. Uh, one more important strategy followed by Nehemiah was to divide the responsibilities and delegate responsibilities. Verse 16 says, half men did the work, and the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, armor, and provided cover for those who are working. Even in church, there are people who are involved in teaching and preaching, and there are those who are involved in take care of, taking care of physical arrangements. You know, God has blessed each one of us with different qualities. And when we all put together our talents and our abilities together, then only the, 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 the church will be rebuilt. The fellowship will be rebuilt. And we'll be able to grow in the Lord with one another. <clears throat> the Nehemiah instructed all the workers who are spread out to gather together, you know, at the sound of a trumpet. You know, this is another strategy. You all are working in different places, but when there is a danger, when there is an, uh, you know, impending enemy attack, I'm going to blow a trumpet. You all gather together and together so that you are saved. You know, as a, collectively, you can fight it out. Yes, there, are, there will be times all of us should come together and strengthen ourselves so that you can ward off the attack. Another, this is the best, you know, strategy he followed uh, uh, by Nehemiah is he encouraged his team to come together and pray. You know, verse seven, 4, prayer plays an important role in the restoration process of Jerusalem wall. He prays, hear us, O God, for we are despised. When he was facing that danger, dangerous situation, he said, hear us, O God, for we are despised. The impossible task became easier with God's help. When Nehemiah came to know about the plot hatched by the enemies, that is Anbalat, Tobiah, and Arabs, and Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod, he called people to pray before posting gods at the vulnerable places. Verse 9 says, we prayed to God. Prayer comes again and again, again and again, entire book. You know, the first chapter talked about prayer. Nehemiah kept reminding the workers about the need to depend on God to carry out this difficult task. It is all of us to believe that we need to restore and rebuild fellowship in our church. We know we need to go down on our knees and cry out to God. Prayer can do wonders. You know, when we gather together on Wednesday, we pray for all of us. We pray for all the needs in the church. You know, it's, it's been a great time coming together and praying. So one of the important aspect of, you know, rebuilding process is going to be prayer. <clears throat> Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me, I will answer you and show you the great and mighty things that you may not be able to understand. Great and mighty things that you may not be able to understand. Maybe at this point of time, we may not be able to visualize what type of blessings God is going to pour upon all of us, but he's going to show when we call unto him, he will answer us and not only answer us, he is going to show us the great and mighty things that we, in our limited understanding, may not be able to understand. 
Are we praying as a church? Are we praying for various ministries? Are we praying uh, as groups, as cell groups? Are we having any plans of in the new year coming together? Have an all-night prayer. You know, we have heard about, I'm from South India. You know, there are lots of all-night prayers, half-night prayers, fasting prayers. Can we do that as a church? Maybe two or three, we will initiate people gather in one somebody's house. We'll pray till 12 or 1, 2. Let's see how God is going to bless our church. We don't want the entire church to gather together and pray. That will happen. But two or three, praying for the church, the restoration will be faster and it will bring glory and honor to God. Are we praying? Coming together uh, very is important. Like people of Judah came together at the sound of trumpet. Trumpet sound signifies impending danger. It is the signal for unity shall we tune our ears to hear the trumpet sound. The final point is that it is the Lord who builds. We may put in our efforts, but eventually, the ultimately, it is the Lord who is going to build. Nehemiah and the people depended on God at every situation. The prayer offered by Nehemiah in chapter 1 was acknowledged by God. We have heard in the first sermon in the series, can prayer change a crisis situation? That was the topic of our first sermon brought out by Brother Prince Jayachandran. Can prayer change a crisis situation? Nehemiah prayed, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Yes, God not only showed favor in the eyes of the king, he also showed favor to the people while they were restoring the walls of Jerusalem. As the scripture goes like this, Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. <clears throat> so if we, if we believe, you know, we are doing some kind of a restoration process within our church, in our own understanding, in our own ability, in, we're using our own talent, unless until we give glory and honor to our God who is enabling us to do this process, our efforts will be nil and void, null and void. It will not be any able to produce any positive results. We may be planning many things in our own understanding, in a wisdom. It's, it's not going to be producing any results. God looks at our hearts and rewards us accordingly. The wall of Jerusalem was built by people of God with God's help, and it provided security to the city and the safety for its people. But as we see, the wall and temple were destroyed again many times and was rebuilt every time. The building and rebuilding of the temple and wall of Jerusalem is only an indication that God in his sovereign wisdom allows his people to go through this process of ups and downs. So let us not get dejected. We are going through a low period, but God is going to wake us up. Each one of, uh, one of us are going through this process of restoration and SDC is going through the process of restoration and rebuilding. When individuals get restored, the church gets restored. The church, when the church gets restored, the society gets restored. When the society gets restored, the nation gets restored. Can we allow God to work in our lives and restore us this morning? This can happen only with the help of our God because He, it is He who builds. 
In closing, what do we learn from chapter 4 of Nehemiah as we conclude the series on the book of Nehemiah? Let us remind ourselves that the restoration comes from the Lord, from the Lord alone. Nehemiah prayed, asking God's help in this difficult task, and God answered his prayer and granted his request. God is at work in our lives and in our church. May we completely depend on him and put our trust on him to see the restoration work getting completed. Can we all uh, silently in our mind commit ourselves, recommit ourselves, Lord, here we are, available to be part of this restoration process. You have great plans for us. We have seen, uh, we have uh, a reminder for the week is, he's going to give us a great future. I have a great plans, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. So Lord, this, is, this morning we are committing ourselves, rededicating ourselves. Lord, here we are in our own way. We may not be able to be a, be a big builder, but we'll be a small, you know, we'll be able to carry that small brick and add it to the wall. Can we commit ourselves and ask our Lord, Lord, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to come and bless us so that our efforts, our passion to come as a church, rebuild ourselves, will be blessed unless Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. I'm going to request pastor to come and say a closing prayer and also benediction. Thank you. Shall we remain in the attitude of prayer as we've been given the challenge? Yes. From the brokenness, the Lord has restored thus far. Isn't it amazing? I never ever thought that we together one day will raise with his power to come together. So keeping the meditation and the thoughts, let us also affirm to the Lord like Nehemiah. I will pray for the kingdom of God, for his church, and for the people to be built up. Make a commitment prayer within your heart and dedicate yourself once again as we would enter the 12th month in few days' time. Opposition, obstacles, all the time persisted. But the one who is taking you is eternal God, almighty God. He is the builder of his kingdom. The Lord is the builder of his church. He is building you as well. Dear Heavenly Father, we together with the worldwide church, the body of Christ, Lord, affirm that, Lord, we would be joining with you in building your kingdom. We will smash all the obstacles because the one who is going before is our all-powerful God, who is the builder of his church. We will not be afraid, O oh Lord. There may be pressing oppositions, hostility all the time, but, O oh Lord, when God is holding our hands 
the sword of the Lord, the word of the Lord is in our hands. Why shall we fear, O Master? Lord, yes, Lord, like Nehemiah, we to pray. Lord, let not the world, let not Satan despise your kingdom. But Lord, you will raise us as victorious and as conquerors. Lord, our heads will be up in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We will pray even, Lord, coming together as small families, groups together. And Lord, see the victory at one at every stage, O Master. We once again commit STC in your hand, along with committing all the new members who had come today, who are worshipping online, who are worshipping together in this SPM hall. Lord, we commit us all in your hand. We also remember the worldwide church, which is also facing the same situation as much as we face. Lord, the servants of God, the evangelists, and the pastors, and all the grassroots level workers who also face various challenges of, Lord, putting us together post-pandemic, the situation arising for us. Lord, we would be able to courageously withstand these ordeals. Lord, we are the conquerors. You are going to fulfill your pleasure and your plans in and through us. To this end, we commit us all in your hand. In Christ Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us before the Father God, spotless, blameless. To him be glory, honor, majesty from now and evermore. Amen. Amen. Shalom. Shalom.